Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like... What the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. There's a new class of blockbuster drugs. Drugs like Ozempic. They're changing bodies. And all of a sudden, just the weight starts falling off. Fortunes. It just got too expensive. They're just bank breakers and industries. There was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of skepticism. The impact of these drugs from business to health is just beginning. From the journal, Trillion Dollar Shot. Find it in the journal feed wherever you get your podcasts. Due to the graphic nature of this cult's crimes, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussions of sexual coercion, rape, murder, and other acts of violence that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. On August 25, 2017, violence erupted in the streets of Panchkula, India, after charismatic guru Gurmeet Ram Rahim was convicted on charges of rape, his supporters took to the streets in droves. They torched government buildings, media vans, stores, and gas stations. Attacks on innocent bystanders quickly spread to neighboring Indian states, and even to the capital city of New Delhi. By that night, curfews were imposed and the Indian army was deployed, with clashes between Gurmeet's followers and the authorities intensifying by the minute even the president of India, Ram Nath Kovind, condemned the violence and pleaded via Twitter for a return to peace and civility. All told, the riots claimed the lives of 41 people and injured over 300 more. More than 1,000 of the Guru supporters were taken into custody. None of them came quietly. They all seemed willing to kill or die. They'd only done what their God had asked. Hi, I'm Greg Polson. And I'm Vanessa Richardson. And this is Cults, a ParCast original. Every Tuesday, we look at a cult's practices, their leader and their followers. You can find all episodes of Cults and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Cults for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Cults in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. This week, we'll focus on Gourmet Ram Rahim 
the leader of the Dara Sacha Sada movement. Originally, the group promoted charity and taught meditation practices, but under Gourmet, its activities became significantly darker. Today, we'll discuss Gourmet's early life and how he went from a high school dropout to the leader of a cult who claimed to have well over 60 million followers. Next week, we'll tighten our focus and look at how Gourmet ran afoul of the Indian authorities in 2002 and turned his sect's worship into a means of wealth and militarism. The socio-spiritual organization known as Dara Sachasada was founded in 1948 by the Indian saint Mastana Balochistani. The group's name roughly translated to Abode of Fair Deal. Through Dara Sachasada, Balochistani wanted to teach the world a specialized form of meditation he called Nam Shabad. Today, Nam Shabad is commonly referred to in meditation circles as a mantra, a single repeated phrase or word which helps the mind focus. Balochistani established 25 ashrams, or places of religious and spiritual retreat. Each ashram was devoted to the teaching of meditation practice as well as an ascetic way of life. Devotees were bound to both severe self-discipline and abstention from all vices. By all accounts, the earliest version of the Dara Sachasada was a force for good in Indian communities. The ashrams provided clean drinking water and communal meals to locals. Balochistani had named it Sachasada for a reason. Translating to fair deal, he believed meditation and social services should be available to all, regardless of class. In a radical move for the 1950s in India, Balochistani refused all outside donations or charity for the organization. Furthermore, unlike other religious institutions, there were no barriers for entry. Regardless of age, religious preference, or even caste, all members of the Indian community could become initiates to Dara Sachasada. But it wasn't a free ride. Those who wished to belong to the order had to agree to forego meat, alcohol, tobacco, drugs, and illicit or adulterous sex. Over the course of the next 12 years, Balochistani spread his belief system to thousands of people across India. But when he reached his 60s, he grew tired. He gathered his followers to deliver a satsang, or spiritual discourse. The topic was reincarnation. In front of a crowd of devotees, Balochistani announced that seven years after his death, his soul would reincarnate into a new body, just three months later, on April 18, 1960, Balochistani closed his saintly eyes for the last time. Seven years later, on August 15, 1967, Gurmeet Singh was born in the Sri Ganganagar district of Rajasthan, India. But no one would have expected that the young Gurmeet would rise to become the spiritual head of Dara Sachasada. At the time, the organization was run by a disciple of Balochistani, Shah Satnam Singh. Continuing in the tradition of Balochistani, Singh devoted much of Dara Sachasada's resources to humanitarian outreach, especially during times of flood and famine. Gurmeet's father, Magar Singh, was a respected landlord and devoted follower of Shah Satnam Singh. 
Gourmet's mother was a highly religious woman as well. Despite both his parents' faith, the young Gourmet didn't show much of an interest in the sacred. Nevertheless, he was dragged to the Dara throughout his formative years. At the age of seven, in 1974, he was inducted into the organization and given a holy nam, or mantra, by Shah Satnam Singh. As the years went on, Gourmet's father continued to push Gourmet toward a life of spiritual devotion and service. But Gourmet had other ideas. Instead of assisting with the humanitarian goals of the Dara, he spent his days engaged in delinquent behavior with a cadre of rebellious friends. In 1982, at the age of 13, Gourmet failed his final exams and was summarily expelled from school for misbehaving with girls. Misbehaving with girls is a rather murky term, but recent examples in the Indian news equate the phrase with rape culture and even violence against women. Vanessa is going to take over on the psychology here and throughout the episode. Please note, she is not a licensed psychologist or psychiatrist, but she has done a lot of research for this show. Thanks, Greg. Gourmet seemed to have been a fairly young man when he reportedly first committed sexual abuse. But according to the Australian Institute of Family Studies, 23% of sexually abusive individuals are aged between 10 to 12 years old. In fact, researchers determined that there are two peak ages for male sexual offenders to abuse, the first of which is around the age of 14 years. While there are many psychological reasons for a young offender to abuse another, a common trait found among sexually abusive males is poor impulse control. Gourmet seemed to have been unable or unwilling to control his darkest urges. His tendency toward bad behavior was reinforced by his best friend at the time, Gourjant Singh. Also the son of a local landlord, Gourjant and Gourmet were partners in crime, engaging in antisocial behavior from their early teens. Like Gourmet, Gourjant also discontinued his education. But unlike Gourmet, who by most accounts didn't incite violence, Gourjant was a true hothead. After his uncle was murdered, Gourjant swore revenge on the man responsible. A few days later, he carried out that revenge, killing the culprit in cold blood. He was sentenced and shipped off to prison, where he was radicalized by Khalistani separatists. This militant group aimed to create a separate country in Punjab for Sikhs. From the militia, Gourjant learned terrorist tactics such as smuggling illegal weapons and embezzling funds. Even among Khalistani, he was known for his temper. It wasn't long before he was running through the Punjab underworld on a murderous rampage behind the scope of an AK-47. Meanwhile, Gourmet continued to work odd jobs for Dara Sachisada. He even got married to 18-year-old Harjeet Kar. Separated from Gourjant, Gourmet at this time was fairly unremarkable. His father finally saw his son maturing, growing up to be a responsible husband and a charismatic member of Dara Sachisada. But while he played the part of the family man, Gourmet secretly nurtured devious ambitions. It was around this time, in September of 1990, that the then leader of Dara Sacha Sada, Shah Satnam Singh, made an announcement. He was ready to retire. 
Singh had discussed choices for his successor with his inner circle. In fact, he had a hand-picked list with three names on it. 23-year-old Gurmeet was not one of those names. Then, Singh delivered his final satsang. Calmly, he said goodbye to the people and organization he knew. He blessed Balochistani and wished that the Dara would continue to work toward its initial goals. With bated breath, the crowd leaned in, listening, waiting for the name of their next spiritual leader. Satnam Singh shocked them all when he announced Gurmeet Singh was to be the new spiritual head and de facto leader of Dara Sacha Sada. Coming up, Dara Sacha Sada transforms into a full-blown cult under the new leadership of Gourmet Ram Rahim. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And now back to the story. In 1990, the spiritual movement Dara Sacha Sada was shocked when their leader stepped down and chose a belligerent 23-year-old named Gurmeet Ram Rahim Singh to take over the organization. He gave Gurmeet a new name, as well as an honorific title, one afforded to those of the highest rank, Hazur Maharaj. Many demanded an explanation. The leader explained that before his predecessor's final address, the guru had announced he would be reborn seven years after his passing. And Gourmet, after all, was born seven years later. He must be the reincarnated guru and the rightful successor to Dara Sachasada. The explanation made a certain kind of sense, but many felt there was something off about the decision. Without telling anyone, seemingly overnight, their leader had changed his mind about his successor. In the days beforehand, he'd named three possible candidates for the position, and Gourmet hadn't been among them. The sudden change of heart seemed to have deceit written all over it, the kind that Gourmet's best friend, Gourjant, excelled at. In a decade-long investigation into Gourmet's role in Derasajasada, the journalist Anurag Tripathi wrote about what could have driven Satnam Singh's decision. He states, Although wholly unverified, in the third week of September, late one night, Gourmet facilitated Gourjant's entry, along with his accomplices, into the Dara and led them to Satnam Singh's quarters. He was woken up by armed men who demanded he name Gourmet as his successor. The announcement was made within a few days of this alleged incident. It was a soft coup, but in the end, Gourmet's possible duplicity landed him at the very top of the organization. Unlike his predecessors, Gourmet was far less interested in helping others. For the new egotistical guru, he only saw ways to enrich himself and make his name famous. But first, he had to pay back Gourjant for the favor. 
Days after assuming leadership, Gourmet ordered secret construction projects throughout the property of the Dara. It was a series of bunkers where Gourjan could store weapons. He also turned the Dara's accounting into a money laundering operation for the Khalistani separatists Gourjan worked for. He aimed to help them bankroll a new country for Sikhs. Under Gourmet, the Holy Ashram became a separatist's headquarters. Once Gourmet settled his debt with Gourjant, he turned his attention to building a larger following for Dara Sachasada. He told an associate at the time that he wanted to build his own empire where he would be king and have his private army, his own currency, and even his own laws. But to build such an empire, a core principle of Dara Sachasada would have to be expunged, eschewing Balochistani's belief that the organization should be run without donations. Gourmet espoused a more capitalist approach. He told his followers that in order to attain connection with the supreme power, they must be willing to cede their worldly possessions to the Dara, including their lands. Not only would Gourmet have new resources at his disposal, but now his followers were even more dependent on the Dara to meet their basic needs. His followers signed away deeds to their property throughout Punjab for next to nothing. Then, instead of keeping the land, Gourmet sold the property at a premium. With the extra funds, he bought more land in a single area. Acre by acre, his main ashram expanded. For those who refused to sell, he used more underhanded tactics to acquire their land. Wild animals were let loose to trample fields. Dara followers who dissented were beaten publicly to instill fear in the others. He even directed his followers to camp on the border of whatever property he desired, turning the land into a garbage dump and human toilet. After a few days of defecation and littering, the property was trashed, and the owners would inevitably sell the land to him for not much in return. Once he'd acquired all the land he wanted, Gourmet started leasing it out. He rented the land to his followers and pocketed the rental fees. When Gourmet Ram Rahim took over Dara Sachasada in 1990, the organization had only a quaint five acres of land. Eventually, their land holdings exploded to over 700 acres. Gourmet's personal riches replicated the same explosive growth. The Dara was practically printing money. On the side, Gourjant continued to launder Khalistani separatist cash. To keep up with appearances, Gourmet used some of the spare ill-gotten cash to build educational institutions and medical centers. From the outside, the Dara looked to be helping the community. The enterprise also seemed extremely lucrative, and the group soon attracted more followers than ever before. Political science expert Dr. Swati Parashar explains, many followers are willing to become unquestioning subjects and willing to put up with a great deal of questionable behavior because to follow a rich and hence successful guru is to live in the hope that some of his worldly success might rub off on you. In India, these figures were called godmen, enthralling people who were elevated to godlike status by devoted followers. Gourmet was slowly becoming the next big guru. He claimed his material success served as worldly proof to his followers that he was a rarefied and holy man. He seemed like one of the chosen. 
With each new convert to the Dara came yet another parcel of land, another donation to the Dara, another dollar secreted away into Gourmet's pockets. He had money. He had a growing army of devotees. Some of them even referred to Gourmet as God himself. But not all was perfect for Gourmet. On August 31, 1992, the 24-year-old awoke to horrible news. His co-conspirator, Gourjant, was killed during a clash with security forces. On one hand, Gourmet was, by some accounts, devastated by the loss of his friend and criminal confidant. On the other, the stashed weapons and funneled militant cash now had a single owner, Gourmet Ram Rahim. With his best friend gone, Gourmet continued to expand the Dara's follower base, as well as his own riches. As his reputation grew, he decided he needed to reinvent his past. A guru such as himself required an unbelievable upbringing. All the stories from his troubled youth were no longer being associated with Gourmet. Instead, the website for Dara Sacha Sada proclaims simply that during years of Gourmet's education, His Holiness performed excellently in academics, sports, and co-curricular activities. With the reinvention of his past also came a reimagining of the rituals of Dara Sacha Sada. The most prominent change was an initiation ceremony he dubbed Nectar of Humanity. During the process, each follower was given a pink-colored sweet drink that resembled Amrit, a holy water used during baptism ceremonies in the Sikh faith. Then, each initiate was asked to replace their surname with the Urdu word for man, Insan. By infusing the ritual with overtones of baptism, Gourmet meant to show those joining that they were symbolically being reborn. By washing away their old surname and replacing it with a common one, Insan, Gourmet was creating a group of people now united by a singular name, a singular identity. The initiation ceremony seemed to have become an elaborate cult indoctrination. In an article on cult indoctrination, Professor Alexandra Stein writes that a major component of the process is to isolate victims from their prior connections and destabilize their identity, then consolidate a new submissive identity within a rigidly bound new network. In addition to Balochistani's regulation against meat, alcohol, tobacco, drugs, and adulterous sex, Gourmet's new initiation included more commandments. His new rules also included, you shall not listen to ill-spoken words against your guru, as well as, you shall be ready to sacrifice your life to protect your guru. One by one, his followers agreed to the edicts. They couldn't say no to such a charismatic and godly man. But to maintain a steady influx of initiates to satisfy his enlarging ego, Ram Rahim needed an even wider net. He wanted to broadcast his charm to ensnare even more followers. Now approaching 30 years old, Gourmet launched a hip marketing arm for the Dara in the late 1990s. Its goal was to snare new followers. He created a new logo that exemplified the all-accepting, non-religious nature of the group. 
It was constructed from the symbols of the Sikh Ik Ankar, Hindu Om, and Christian Cross, as well as the Muslim Crescent and Star. It matched Gurmeet's full name, Gurmeet Ram Rahim Singh Ji Insan, which is a combination of Sikh, Hindu, and Muslim components. It was a sign that Dara Sancha Sada would accept anyone into the organization who was willing to sacrifice their wealth to the guru, with fields full of his followers surrounding his now massive mansion, Gurmeet was, for all intents and purposes, a king. The king spread his message through a newspaper printed every day, called the Sachka On, or Speaking True. Each issue was filled with the latest proclamations of the guru, the tremendous acts of welfare of the organization, and even some actual daily news. Its circulation was enormous. It was published in multiple languages and claims to have had hundreds of thousands of readers throughout India. The paper was only the first step in Gourmet's outreach. As the media changed throughout the 1990s and into the early 2000s, Gourmet adapted alongside it. Local TV stations aired the Guru's satsangs and everyday observations. Videos were recorded and sold by the ton. Books were printed in equal numbers. With the advent of the internet, Gourmet went worldwide, even translating his collected media into English. By his early 30s, Gourmet had become a spectacle himself with strings of gold chains, massive medallions, and flamboyant flowing clothes, Gourmet began to resemble a Bollywood or hip-hop star. He even received a new name, the Baba of Bling. His new look and moniker were as loud as his personality. Gourmet began to believe he would need a private army to protect his newfound riches. He had the land, he had the serfs, he needed the military. It was one more step toward full control. In the early 2000s, Gourmet collected a group of ex-Indian army soldiers who were now amongst his most faithful followers. They helped build his militia. Like in the army itself, a soldier went through a battery of physical and mental tests, including weapons training. In journalist Anurag Tripathi's stunning expose, he wrote about the three main branches of Gourmet's private army. The first section was the Royal Guard, the ones closest to the Guru. They were to protect their leader at all costs. The second branch was the Outer Wing, charged with providing external cover while the Dara chief was shifted to a safe base in case of a crisis. But the most secretive group in his army was something referred to as the Sacrifice Wing. The Sacrifice Wing was a completely radicalized group of Dara followers who would kill or die for their leader. All Gourmet had to do was ask. With his power growing, Gourmet's megalomania increased as well. He was quoted in the early 2000s as saying, when I put my fist into a lion's mouth, its teeth rattle in fear. He also began to publish reports of the miracles he supposedly performed. Some claim that the guru helped followers advance professionally. Some claim that he healed deep emotional wounds. Some even claim that he forestalled blindness and warded off an advancing cancer. In particular, the cancer incident may have been blown out of proportion. The story claimed that Gourmet's blessing cured a follower's budding cancer, 
In reality, the guru blessed a person prior to having a tumor biopsy. A tumor that wasn't even necessarily cancerous. It was less a miracle and more a case of good luck. Of course, with Gurmeet controlling all the media out of Dara Sacha Sada, only those cases of good luck were given press. Along with stories like these, Gourmet circulated tales of the Dara's attempts to stop prostitution, their regular blood donations, drug awareness campaigns, and even disaster relief. Mira Nanda of Frontline Magazine wrote that, in a secular democracy like India, no citizen should have to barter his ruhani or spiritual aspirations to have basic goods and services. Yet, in India, the fundamental social functions of the state have been spiritualized and contracted out to gurus and ashrams, which have amassed great wealth and power in the process. Thanks to the basic services provided through Dara Sachasada, millions threw their support behind Gourmet. The control was like catnip. Gourmet soon began to court favors from politicians in exchange for his support. He had followers. He had politicians. He had blind devotion from both. He had built a cult, and he was practically untouchable. Then, in 2002, an anonymous letter arrived to Sri Atal Bihari Bajpayee, the Prime Minister of India. It would completely disrupt Gourmet's perfect world. Coming up, Gourmet has a run-in with the Indian authorities that threatens to topple his burgeoning empire. And now, back to the story. Through the 1990s and early 2000s, Gaudi guru Gurmeet Ram Rahim slowly built an empire throughout northern India. Under the guise of the social welfare group Dara Sacha Sada, Gurmeet constructed a cult of personality. Then, in 2002, a letter arrived on the desk of the Indian Prime Minister. It was written anonymously by a former Sadvi, or nun, of Dara Sacha Sada. In the letter, the Sadvi detailed her account of a graphic encounter with the 34-year-old guru. She told of how one day she was summoned to the Gufa, or residence of the Dara leader. Inside his bedroom, she wrote that she found Gourmet sprawled out on his bed. He was fully naked and watching a pornographic film. He patted the bed for her to join. That's when she noticed the loaded revolver next to his pillow. Flushing with embarrassment, the Sadvi tried to leave the Gufa. But Gourmet coaxed her into staying and eventually propositioned her for sex. In her words, he told me that at the time of becoming his disciple, I had dedicated my wealth, body, and soul to him and that he had accepted my offering. When she objected, he told her that you cannot object to God. He threatened to kill her and bury her there. No one would know. He told her that he owned the government and that no one would believe her lies about him. He said he was essentially untouchable. When the Sadvi continued to protest, she claims Gourmet's entreaties turned physical. With a hard push, he threw her to the ground and raped her. It was to become her terrible new life. In fact, the letter alleged, he raped her once every 25 to 30 days. He kept a calendar 
Each night, a hand-chosen woman came to the Gufa to satisfy Gourmet. The letter even stated that her cycle of sexual assault had been going on for three years. In the report on sexual abuse by the Australian Institute of Family Studies, the researchers had found two peak ages for most offenders. The first was around 14 years and aligned with Gourmet's expulsion from school. The second was in the mid to late 30s, roughly at the time of this letter. In fact, as the report states, most sex offenders do not grow out of it. They grow into the behavior further. Gourmet was not breaking cycles. He was simply reliving them. Which had horrible consequences for the Sadvi, as the letter detailed. No woman was allowed to talk to another woman. No woman was permitted to talk to their families, even via telephone. Gourmet imposed a state of total isolation. The isolation was severe, but the punishment for divulging Dara's secrets to the outside world was brutal. In one account, a woman's backbone was fractured for dissenting. In another, a group of armed Dara hooligans threatened a girl and her family with death. The Sadvi's letter ended with a plea. She wanted a government agency to investigate the Dara and to test whether or not the Sadvi's were still virgins. If not, it concluded, then there must be merit to these claims. According to the professor and sociologist of cult groups, Dr. Yanya Lalich, cult leaders tend to have four components to their personality. They're narcissistic, they're charismatic, they're unpredictable. Lastly, they develop a turn-on which fuels their behavior, be it sex, money, or simply power. The negative behavior is reinforced by a treat or ego boost. As described by Dr. Lalich, the unpredictable factor is when you don't know if the leader is going to come in as a raging bull or as a sweet seducer, a tactic that is a surefire way to keep followers on edge with a desire to please the leader. With Gourmet, it was hard to tell which version you would get to meet. Would it be the affable and goofily attired guru or the sadistic rapist? Gourmet's sadistic behavior, however, was kept hidden by the cult which surrounded him. He was a god and could commit no wrong. Thus, the letter fell on deaf ears. Because the letter was anonymous, the government was able to officially investigate. And due to Gourmet's stature in the political community, it was a rather precarious situation to throw potentially hollow accusations at the guru. Then, an editor and journalist named Ramchandra Chhatrapati picked up the story. He published the entirety of the 2002 letter in a Sirsa-based newspaper. It created a firestorm of criticism from Gourmet's followers. The controversy culminated just a few months later, on October 24, 2002. That night, Chhatrapati was sitting outside of his home, enjoying the late October air. The honking in Sirsa was unusually loud and obtrusive. Motorcycles wove in and out of standstill traffic in the street just outside his gate. As Chhatrapati went to look at the commotion, a motorcycle veered toward him. Two men with their faces smothered in thick fabric brandished weapons and opened fire. He collapsed in the street his breath coming in ragged gasps. 
blood pooled on the pavement. In the distance, he could hear the ambulances coming for him. Chhatrapati passed away from his injuries less than a month later, on November 21, 2002. The journalist had been silenced for publishing defamatory claims against Gourmet. It sent a message throughout northern India, and no further journalists came forward to take up Chhatrapati's charge. If you spoke up against God, you would suffer the consequences. Thanks again for tuning into Cults. We'll be back next Tuesday with part two of Gormit Ram Rahim and Dara Sajasada. We'll discuss the 2002 investigation that was launched into the nefarious behaviors of the cult behind the closed gates of the Guru's kingdom. You can find all episodes of Cults and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite podcast originals, like Cults, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Cults on Spotify, just open the app and type Cults in the search bar. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. We'll see you next time. Cults was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Brian Golub, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Cults was written by Drew Moreland, with writing assistance by Abigail Cannon, and stars Greg Polson and Vanessa Richardson. Mm-hmm.